Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out and make sure you subscribed. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock Yeah, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here keeping an eye on Hurricane Ian. Right there between Cat 4 and Cat 5. Approaching Florida, 155 mile an hour winds, tornadoes, storm surges, up to 24 inches of rain expected in some spots. Hammer, let's go to Governor Ron DeSantis on the hurricane. Yes, we're going to have a catastrophic impact in southwest Florida, uh, but this thing is going to, you know, really barrel across the state. It's going to be a strong storm. I mean, it's going to weaken once it gets on on shore, but you're going to end up, you know, you could end up in central Florida to have winds, uh, certainly gusts that would be hurricane force. It's going to at least be a tropical storm as it barrels across. That's going to cause problems with the vegetation. It's going to cause problems with trees. The ground's already wet based on the amount of precipitation we have. That's ripe conditions for trees to fall over. That means more power lines are down. Uh, so, so that's going to have a cascading effect. So the most significant impacts will obviously be the landfall, but you're going to have other impacts. And so that's why you have these folks staged. That's why you have so many people, because there's going to be a lot of different places around the state of Florida where they're going to have to respond to. And Nige, earlier today, when this thing was at its absolute peak, the strongest, it was a Category 4 but with just two more miles per hour with the winds, it would have been a Category 5. So that's how strong of a storm this is. 155 mile per hour winds. Uh, it's spawning tornadoes, 24 inches of rain expected in a lot of different spots around Florida. Uh, my wife's brother and his girlfriend live in Tampa St. Pete. They uh, picked up and drove to Atlanta for a couple of days. Other people I know down there uh, decided to stick it out. My old friend... Marco, who I used to work with on this signal, he used to host the morning show when it was radio now, 93.1, is on the drivehubler.com hotline. Marco, are you Seminole or Pinellas County? What? Yeah, Seminole, so, so that's, the, that's the area in Pinellas, all okay. the way west, uh, right before the, uh, the Gulf. So, you, so you're, close, you're close to the water, right? I mean, you don't, you're not on the beach, but you, are, you decided to stick it out. And you're, I mean, I've been to your house. I've been to your neighborhood. You're like a, a, a five-minute walk. Yeah, yeah. Neighborhood sits on the intracoastal right across the street is, uh, is the Gulf of Mexico, parked right between Clearwater Beach and uh, Madeira Beach. Well, man, it's 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 good to talk to you. It's good to have you on the air with us again. I think I, I think we talked to you. Let me during Hurricane Michael. Was that in 2018? Do you remember that? Was that? Uh, I think I think it was that, or maybe it was Irma. But yeah, it was Irma. definitely one of them for sure. Yeah. And and you so you uh, decided even though Governor DeSantis is like, yeah, you better get out of here. Um, you guys, maybe <laughs> some of your neighbors, your family, um, decided to to stick it out it's my understanding right now that maybe some of the 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 more severe weather is going to slightly miss miss you where you're at why did you uh, decide to stay well you know it's funny i'm glad you guys you know played governor desantis our boy ronnie d man he's he's been coming through for us yeah 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 it's you know we have such a huge budget surplus here there's just money laying around so you know, he was able to bring in all of these power companies. I mean, I, I, I know we had a bunch come in from Indiana. I read that this morning, but Texas, Tennessee. So we've got so many resources on the ground. It just seemed like, you know, whatever was going to happen, we'd be able to get back up and running uh, a little bit quicker than, than before. And he, he gets a lot of credit for that. 
Marco, Jason Hammer here. Before hurricane season got rolling, Joe Biden came out and said, if you're living in an area that could be hit by a hurricane, the first thing you need to do, the most important thing you need to do is to get vaccinated. <laughs> so, Marco, at what point in your hurricane preparation checklist here was vax status addressed? I went yesterday and got all four of my boosters that I had no question to get. Yeah, I, it was first thing on my mind to go get boosted yesterday with four different shots. But, you know, it's it, it's so crazy because it really the whole thing has become political, even a hurricane. You know, yesterday, yes. I'm sure you guys talked about it. You know, uh, Biden was kind of ducking DeSantis's calls and, and yep. things like that. And it's just and again, oh, I think Klobuchar, just, Klobuchar uh, said, yeah, look, you got to vote for Democrats because that'll end hurricanes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, yeah. And, you know, I'll tell you, too, we call it the great freedom flight of 2020. And, it, you know, that was a lot of Midwesterners who, yeah. who left those punitive lockdowns in Indiana, Ohio and Chicago. And they're here, but they've never experienced hurricanes before. And so it, it is scary for a lot of people to come down here from the Midwest, deal with these things. I was at a a, a really great hurricane party last night, and um, there were some there, there were some people, and, and I mean, there were some people crying. I mean, it's like women crying because they were sure. scared to death, you know. And it's like, and I get it. I mean, I get it, but it's like you run from one thing, lockdowns, and you know, no economic uh, ability to run a business, but then you come down here, and then this unfortunately is is kind of part of the deal with with, with living in the tropics. Uh, my friend uh, and uh, longtime coworker uh, Marco uh, was on the air with him for a number of years here on this signal, ninety three point one. He's based out of Florida now. D so, what did you do to get rid? Like, uh, you know, I saw the Facebook uh, photos of the dirty thirty packs of Bush Light, um, <laughs> and, and I know that's you know kind of tongue in cheek. And it's funny, but you guys are you have you have taken preparations. You've have you boarded up the windows and you've got the generators working and stuff, right? Oh, uh, yeah. You can't, you can't mess around. I mean, when you're this close to the water, I mean, the generators, the boards went up. you got to drain your pools. You know, you got to make sure your trees have been cut back. Um, and a lot of it, too, really is, is, is you know, being a good person. Like, you got to help your neighbors. I mean, I had to run out yeah. this morning. Um, he, he had a leak, and, and we had to get a tarp up on his roof. And, you know, being on a roof when it's, you know, 50, 67-mile-an-hour gust, that's, <laughs> that's tough. But um, yeah. you, you really do need to – you, you kind of need to do that. And I think, too, that's sort of a Florida thing. Like, people just – they get out in it. They help each other. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm about to crack, crack a bush light here. I can't – so that's part, that's part of it, too. you got to get out in it. you got to kind of find a way to enjoy it, too. Um, but what's going on down south, Fort Myers, um, Siesta Key, it, it, it really, to be honest, is, is painful to watch. I mean, the Weather Channel is going to get Stephanie Abrams killed. I'm, she's out in Englewood, Florida, and I think Mike Seidel is about to really be sucked into the Gulf of Mexico. Oh. I mean, it is it is like un, I can't really believe what I'm watching there, to be honest with you. So a little bit different than where you're at in Tampa right now for yeah, sure. Yeah, category one type stuff here. Okay. Um, power power is starting to go out here yeah. Uh for sure, and and you know that's that's going to be an issue too moving forward. Without you know, with Irma, we were out for, for seven days, yep. um, so that that can be tough. What's going on with the pricing in the neighborhood before everything closed down? Did you see any gas stations just jack up the prices on gas or hotel rooms triple the cost of rooms? And where are you able to get supplies? Well, Hammer, I'll tell you. You know, once again, let, let's give it back to our boy Ronnie D, the governor. He came in here to Irma and really put in all these laws. Um, they can't jack you up like that in, in, in Florida. They just can't do it. I mean, they will come down on you. They'll shut down your business. But 
I'll tell you this, because in Irma, we made a last-minute um, choice uh, uh, idea to, to evacuate, and it was a huge mistake. So we got over the line in Florida and stayed in a hotel, a Marriott, a Marriott, not like a Conrad, $1,200 right across the line in Georgia. Gas was like six or seven. You know, gas gas then was like Biden gas now. They were doing that <laughs> for the people running from Irma. It's like they knew what was coming. So, But, uh, no, you know, they, they have those laws here, and, 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 and Ronnie D. put those in pretty quick, which, which hey, we appreciate. Like, we got to go get supplies. We've got to get gas. We need water. And sometimes people have to run to a hotel, and you can't punish people and punish families who are stressed out about losing their homes or their vehicles. I mean, you look at these cars are underwater in Naples. I mean, a lot of these cars are just going to move out to the Gulf of Mexico. They're not coming back. So um, in that regard, uh, we we have good protections down here from all that price gouging. Hey, man, uh, stay safe. Uh, Tell uh, Melissa and the kids, uh, uh, you know, give give uh, some love to them from uh, my wife, uh, Lindsay, and I. And let's maybe hook up tomorrow at least. Give us an update on, on what tonight was like and, uh, and be careful down there. Okay, buddy? Yeah, hey, I appreciate it, guys. And congrats to you guys on a big Colts win last week. And I was about to feeling you. proud. Good work. <laughs> Thank, you. Good Thank work. you. All right. Uh, that's my buddy Marco, who is uh, based out of Florida now. Worked with him for a long time here uh, in this building, on this signal um, in the uh, early and mid-2000s. So. so all through the evening, keep it locked right here to 93 WIBC because we will have coverage, Fox News updates at the top and the bottom of every hour all night long as this storm makes its way through. There is another story that I do want to get to. And listen, a lot of people had sent us this clip of Joe Biden earlier today speaking at some event, and he's trying to make it look like he wants bipartisan help, right? And he's thanking some Republican politicians that came to help him and work on some legislation, including the late Jackie Walorski. Now, we're going to play you this audio. Again, this is Joe Biden thinking and basically looking around where Jackie Walorski is. He doesn't know that she's no longer with us. And so many of you know so much about this as well, and you're committed. And I want to thank all of you here, for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? <laughs> I didn't think she was, she was going to be here to help make this. Jackie died in a car accident with some of her aides on August 3rd. my gosh. Two weeks ago, Joe Biden put her name on a VA hospital, named the hospital after her. He had a document. He signed it. He spoke about it. And today, he was looking around the room wondering where she's at. I was talking about Jackie Gleason. Where's Jackie Chan? This is so embarrassing. This is insulting that this guy's the president of the United States. Or Jackie Kennedy. Or... <laughs> I mean, come on. It's like, God love you. God, it's like when he, let's, let's go to, uh, the, I mean, they were grilling KJP, the White House press secretary. After this happened, here's what a uh, little bit of that sounded like. Final one. What happened in the hunger event today? The president appeared to look around the room. 
foreign audience member, a member of Congress who passed away last month, who seemed to indicate she might be in the room. What, so, what happened there? So the president w was, uh, as you all know, you guys were watching uh, today's event, a very important event on uh, food insecurity. The president was naming uh, the congressional champions on this issue and was acknowledging her incredible work. He had uh, he had already uh, planned to welcome the congresswoman's family uh, to the White House on Friday. There will be a, a bill signing in her honor this coming Friday. Uh, so, of course, she was on his mind. She was of top of mind uh, for the president. He uh, looks very much looks forward to discussing her remarkable legacy of public service with them when he sees her family this coming Friday. He said, Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? She must not be here. I totally understand. I just, I just explained. She was on top of mind. Oh, that's such bull crap. You buy that? Okay, so... You don't buy that. No, I don't. I fear. believe the president has <laughs> dementia. I believe the president doesn't know what happens day to day when he wakes up. And if this were any other president, can you imagine if Donald Trump looked around the room and asked where somebody that had passed away was? It'd be wall-to-wall -wall coverage. CNN would interrupt the hurricane coverage to bring you wall-to-wall -wall coverage of that. What's what's more cringeworthy, that or when he told the guy in a wheelchair to stand up? Stand up, Chuck. Let me see you. Oh, God love you. What am I talking about? <laughs> oh, they're both pretty bad. But I think today was worse. And this uh, is not okay. Like, a lot of people are laughing at him. Oh, that's just Joe. No, this is not no, okay. I, I'm laughing at him. Trust me. I'm this laughing. is embarrassing. I'd like to thank the Queen of England. And the fact that his wife, the good doctor, keeps propping him up there. President Applesauce Brains, they keep propping him up there. <laughs> And the folks in his inner circle think this is fine. This is elder abuse. This is unbelievable that this guy is still allowed to go up there every single day, and he doesn't know his left from his right, he doesn't know his wife from his sister, and he doesn't know who's dead or alive. And we're back. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIPC. But I'm pretty good drinking beer. Yeah, just in time for Oktoberfest. Hammer day worth celebrating for sure today is national drink beer day all right i mean you could just actually just call it wednesday <laughs> right uh, we've been celebrating for about 300 plus days <laughs> let's okay so you want to celebrate let's do uh we created a little mashup here featuring supreme court justice kavanaugh Yes, we drank beer. I liked beer. <laughs> Still like beer. And I like beer. Yeah, we drank beer. <laughs> it makes me a jolly good fellow. <laughs> I like beer. Sometimes too many beers. Yes, we like beer. We like beer. Judge Kavanaugh, thank you very much. Hearing adjourned. National Drink Beer Day is today, and a lot of people are going to be celebrating by playing beer pong. Here's comedian Chris Killigan. You guys know what beer pong is, right? Yeah. Yes, okay, beer pong. Yeah, it's a fantastic game to play. I love it. And if you do play it, be careful, though, because I recently read on the Internet that it's now the leading contributor to the spreading of mono, and I'm not surprised, because anytime I've ever seen a beer pong table set up, it's in the nastiest room I've ever been in. <laughs> yeah, there's, like, garbage piled up in the corners, you know, and your feet kind of stick to the floor, and you're just tossing a ping pong ball around without a care in the world, trying to go in a cup. It never does. It just landed on the floor. What is that, a dirty diaper, a moldy enchilada? I don't know. You can't be too sure. <laughs> you know, there's some straggly hair on it that doesn't match anybody who's in the room. You pull it off, though, and you, it's all okay. You know why? Because there's a little Dixie cup filled with water. Boop, boop, boop. All clean now. And then you just throw it into whatever people are drinking. 
oh, dude, I'm getting so sloshed, or I'm coming down with a fever. I don't know. <laughs> it really is a nasty game if you think about it, though, because you're drinking out of the same cup after all these people, and I love the excuse when people are like, oh, the alcohol kills the germs. Uh. You know, maybe if you were down in like 200 proof moonshine, that might be the case. But I'm just going to venture out on a limb and guess the 6% alcohol in your natty light's not taking care of it like you're hoping. <laughs> That's pretty true when you think about it. I mean, beer pong is, is probably one of the greatest beer drinking games of all time, if you had to rank them. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's up there in the top five, isn't it? Right. And it feels like it's really grown in popularity over the last 15 to 20 years. Because when I was in college, beer pong was okay, but it was mainly like card type of drinking games. Like if you're just, uh, just sitting around playing euchre or something like that, or did that involve actually imbibing when you lose a hand or something like that? Right. There was pyramids. There was <laughs> a game called A-Hole that was with cards. Oh, yeah. I've played A-Hole before. So beer pong has really kind of grown in popularity over the last couple of years. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Awesome! Awesome! Gotta have it! Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIPC. <laughs> My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. We'll go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on Joe Concha, Fox News contributor, uh, writer, and media and politics columnist at The Hill. He's got a new book called Come On, Man. <laughs> the uh, truth about Joe Biden's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad presidency. Joe. First of all, how many books have been written about Joe Biden versus Donald Trump this year? You may be the uh, first. I love this 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 stat. I can only give you over the next five weeks, okay? There will be 15 books written about Donald Trump, <laughs> the guy not in power for 21 months. And you are literally talking to the only author of the Biden book that you're going to see over the next no five way. weeks leading up to the midterms. Yeah, the guy in power, polling lower than any first-term president in history, which I believe, therefore, that gives you some material to work with. But the Maggie Habermans and the Jonathan Carls of the world, uh, they have to write another book about <laughs> Trump because they serve at the pleasure of the Democratic Party. On the back cover of your book, there's a series of one-liners from Joe Biden, ranging everywhere from, uh, you know, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black, to you know the thing. Joe, it feels like maybe you put out your book too soon because earlier today, I'm sure you saw this, you had Jackie. Joe Biden looking around the room wondering where Jackie Walorski was. And of uh -huh. course, she died in an automobile accident on August 3rd. And Joe Biden named a hospital after her, oh. signed bills and named a hospital after her, but still couldn't remember where she was at today. So cringy, man. I'm trying to think what was worse when he told the guy to stand up that was in the wheelchair right or or this what happened with Jack Walorski I mean who who passed away who you know and look I'm going to just give him a little bit of a pass here all right cuz but it goes into what we talk about in the book some of the things that you see Joe Biden doing craptastically wrong are on Joe Biden, but some are on his staff. So he clearly was reading from a list of names provided from him, for him. And somebody in his communications department, uh, one of his handlers, decided to put her name in there, not, not even remembering that. So he was reading off a piece of paper, but he still should have the wherewithal of knowing that, hey, that name looks familiar. Isn't that the woman who died in the car crash earlier this year? Of course not. But, 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 but th th this is where we are at this point, where you have a president that if he runs again for re-election and somehow wins, you'll We'll be looking at the 85-year-old version of Joe Biden in the oh Oval boy. Office as opposed to this late 70s version, and that's why a majority of Democrats 
don't even want him to run again in 2023. That's how poorly he is viewed in terms of his mental and physical capabilities and obviously his competency to run the country. Like when you, when you raise, you know, taxes and when you spend trillions of dollars during a recession, then have the audacity to say that this is going to bring down inflation. Any kid with a lemonade stand knows that that's not how it works, but this is what we're stuck <laughs> Right. You're right. You're 100% right. And we've established a long time ago, Joe Biden is Ron Burgundy. He will read whatever is in front of him, whether it's on a prompter or whether it's on a piece of paper. But, I mean, if you think about it this way, you've got Vladimir Putin over here talking about maybe he feels squirrely about nukes. And then you've got a full book, a full book on Joe Biden doing ridiculous things. That's a little scary. I mean, we're laughing. We're having fun here. But this guy is our president. That's a Burgundyism also, right? We are laughing. Yes, we are laughing. <laughs> but I'm no longer laughing when I watch him do a 60 Minutes interview, right? And remember, he's done two TV interviews this year. And one was with 60 Minutes and one was with, I believe, Lester Holt, NBC, uh, before the Super Bowl. What did both of those have in common? They were what's called pre-tapes. And you guys know what that means. Yeah. That means they were taped a couple of days beforehand. So then in the post-production room, which means, okay, we have all this material. Let's put this together to make the president look as least incompetent as possible. And still, out of all that, like we saw in 60 Minutes, he said again, and this is the fourth time he said this, and this is where it no longer is a laughing matter. So if we get this straight, if China invades Taiwan, the U.S. military is going to engage the Chinese military directly? Because that's what Joe Biden, the commander-in-chief, said. And if that happens, China, at last check, has nukes, a bigger military. We're looking at World War III. So that's why it used to be funny when he was a senator or vice president when he would say stupid things. But now there are real consequences, as in you will die if he actually goes ahead with something like that. And that's why I think the book is important. We have some fun in it, but but there are some serious things here because, again, this is the leader, supposedly, allegedly, and, of the free world. You know, Joe, I'm, I'm wondering there's an element of the mainstream corporate press that's a little perturbed with Joe at this point. You just said it yourself. He's only done two sit-down pre-recorded interviews. Yeah. Um, and they're the ones that colluded with big tech to help get him elected. When I say big tech, I also mean social media, the squashing of the uh, Hunter Biden laptop story. And uh, now these are the same people that were, you know, just as long as we get him in the office, you know, as long as it's not Trump, then everything's okay. But now Joe Biden isn't really giving sit down interviews or press conferences at all with these guys. And I'm wondering if you, if there's a sense of a little, um, you know, if they are upset with him in, in the least. Well, not in the way they used to get upset, right, where, where Trump would call Jim Acosta a name and then you need a fainting uh, a couch for Jim when you go on the air and say this is a <laughs> chilling threat to the free press. Hey, what happened to Jim, by the way? Yeah. A Democratic president gets elected. He could run faster from that briefing room like Usain Bolt. Like, I got to ask a Democratic that's president some noxious questions? Yeah. Forget it. And where's the Acosta book, by the way, out of curiosity? Oh, that's right. That ain't coming. So, yeah, they're mad, but they're not mad mad the way they, they would be. Look, Donald Trump, you could agree or disagree with him. He was the most accessible president to the media we have had in history in just four years. He would do press conferences that would go on sometimes for two hours. He would stop and talk to reporters for a half hour before getting on Marine One. And now Joe Biden, just like he did during the 2020 campaign, is 
basically running the presidency by pleading the fifth and, and not yeah. speaking to reporters whatsoever. But they're not going to get mad because there's an election coming up, and God forbid uh, that they're going to start truly criticizing this president. And that's why you see so much focus on Trump still right now going into the midterms instead of on inflation, crime, the border, education, Ukraine, China, and down the list where this president gets a failing grade on every front. Joe Concha is our guest, Fox News contributor and a columnist at The Hill. His new book is out, Come On Man, The Truth about Joe Biden's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad presidency. And Joe, while we can go after things Joe Biden says, a big portion of this book are the horrific decisions that this president has made. And the thing that I take away the most here is we've almost forgotten about how disastrous that Afghan withdrawal was. Because he said so many disasters on top of each other, it can't be forgotten about what happened in Afghanistan. You get numb by it almost, right? And Afghanistan was only, what, 14 months ago. And that's where everything began to turn. And and why you would not use Bagram Air Base when he should have to use uh, that for evacuations instead of counting on the friggin' Taliban, you know, to handle security. Yeah, of course, 13 service members died. It, it, it probably it should have been a, a lot worse. So that's one decision where you're like, wait, what, what, what is that about? But then the border, all right, that is a national security issue. More than 70 terrorists have been arrested crossing the U.S. southern border illegally under this president. God knows how many we haven't caught, right? And you, you consider that 2 million people crossed into this country illegally over the last year, 2 million the year before that. Those are the ones we know about. Probably somewhere around 800,000 gotaways have also come into this country. So you're talking about the entire population of friggin' Ireland, okay? That, that's equivalent to the number of people who have come across. And what's happening? Americans are dying on a daily basis from opioid overdoses driven by fentanyl that comes from China through Mexico over the border. And imagine that, 300 people dying a day. That's like an airplane crashing every day in this country. I'm pretty sure you would shut down the aviation industry and say, hey, we have to stop this. If that was happening, instead, this guy puts... Kamala Harris in charge of fixing the border, the same person who, who compared ICE to the KKK. I mean, I'm pretty sure she has no interest in solving the problem. Sure enough, that's what we're seeing. Does, does your bro- and I know you only got a minute or two left here, Joe, but I, I mean, some of the other failures are like our platforms that he ran on. Uh, you know, I'm not going to shut down the country. I'm going to shut down the virus. Uh-huh. Uh, there's, I mean, do you mention anywhere in the book about um, – um, what else? Shut down the virus, and what else was there? Uh, what was the big platforms that he was? Uh, oh, the big platform to, primarily. If you just want big picture that we could do in forty-five seconds, yeah, he was running as a moderate and as a unifier. Yeah, unifier. That's right. That's what I was trying to come up with. Moderate right. and a unifier, it, and shutting down the virus. Exactly, shut down the virus. Just it's the same guy who promised during the campaign that he's going to find a cure for cancer. All right, what <laughs> audacity! Right, my mother died of cancer. Screw you, dude. All right, you're, 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 you're not one person can shut down a virus or find a cure for something that we've been looking for a cure for for 100 years. And as far as being a unifier, I'm pretty sure when you start calling 74 million people semi-fascist, which what is that, by the way? You can't kind of get a girl pregnant. And you can't kind of be a fascist. If you're going to be a fascist, you go fascist, right? It's not like there's a diet coke of fascist. Just one calorie, not fascist enough. I mean, so come on. So. Come on, man, I should say. Overall, that's what we have. We don't have a moderate. We don't have a unifier. We have a far-left ideologue who believes that government is the answer and not the problem. And when you have somebody who thinks along those lines, think Obamacare, then guess what? This is what you get. You get socialism, and it just don't work as we are seeing, fellas. Go get the book. It's out right now. Come on, man. The truth about Joe Biden's terrible. Horrible, no good, very bad presidency. Joe Concha, Joe, thank you so much for your time, Thanks, man. We'd Joe. love to have you back on again soon. You guys do great.
great come on, man. So I appreciate that. Let's do one in unison on three. One, two, three. Come, come on, on, man. man. Beautiful. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks buddy. See ya. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Man, the show is slammed. Calling in at about 4.30 this afternoon on the show, uh, Bill O'Reilly. Used to host The Factor on Fox News, BillOReilly.com, No Spin News, and uh, he's also the best-selling author of uh, The Killing series. He's got a new uh, book called Killing the Legends, The Lethal Danger of Celebrity, and uh, we'll talk to him a little bit after 4.30 right here exclusively on The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is over there. A man had to win... Three tiebreaker rounds, which included eating three dragon's breath peppers to win the Easton Farmer's Market hot pepper eating competition in Pennsylvania, Hammer. Sounds fun. I do love a good spicy hot pepper. Now, I don't know if I can get down with these dragon breath ones here, but I like some spicy stuff. Each dragon's breath pepper has around 2.5 million on the, what? what is this, the Scovetti heat units scale? 2.5 million. I don't know what that means. It sounds like kind of a big number in terms of spiciness for a pepper. Right. there. Uh, here's the moment this guy, Kelly Joel Myers, won for a second year after three intense tiebreaker rounds. Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever seen something so ridiculous as this? Can you imagine that we thought that these guys would go so long? All right. Put one of those down, Kelly. He put one down. I think he's got two left. Oh, he's got two. Oh, he just bites into it like a cherry tomato. Oh, no, he's done. He's done. Ladies and gentlemen, scary applause for this gentleman here. Two years in a row. All right, Hammer, you know what? I guess that's impressive. You know, going into what? Triple OT in a hot pepper eating contest? Right. But sorry, it's nothing. Zero. Zilch. Not even close to being compared to the guy that vaped the California Reaper Pepper. For any of you who don't know what a Carolina Reaper is, Guinness Book of World Records recognizes it as the world's hottest pepper. Okay, I'm going to vape it first. Oh, God, that's... Oh, my God, my lungs are on fire. Oh, God. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. So he vaped a Carolina Reaper. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Oh so, man. I mean, why those guys are, you know, piddling around in the pepper eating contest. This guy's inhaling peppers into his lungs. The Carolina Reapers, no less. Did you hear that, Matt Bear? We have an idea for the next night with WIBC. <laughs> Matt Bear's going to go up with his vape. and <laughs> Yeah, our traffic guy loves to vape. He's not shy about it, for sure. Oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> sounds like me trying to hold back my puke after the latest story we had a couple of weeks ago where the chick swallowed the fly live on the air. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> um, again, we're going to have an update on the... The hurricane coming up here in just a little bit, making landfall category four, Hurricane Ian down in southwest Florida. We'll have that story and more. But all throughout the afternoon, we're celebrating National Drink Beer Day. I'm celebrating right now? 
I celebrated a couple times earlier today, and uh, I think this calls for one of the greater moments that's happened here on the Hammer and Nigel show. Oh, yeah? Where you, Big Nige, prank oh, called your no, mom no. with this sound clip of some drunken Irish guy singing beer, beer, beer. <laughs> Hello, this is Tina. May I help you? Beer, beer, beer. I'm going for a beer. Hello, this is Tina. She's a work. Beer, beer, beer. I'm gonna drink some beer. Excuse me, this is Tina. May I help you? Beer, beer, beer. I'm gonna drink some beer. I'm sorry. I like drinking beer. Um, sir? Please, may I help you? Lovely, lovely bear. Please, I'm going to hang up now, okay? Bear, bear, bear. <laughs> Call her back. This is Tina, may I help you? Bear, bear, bear. <laughs> I'm going for a beer. I'm sorry, I don't know who this is or why you keep asking for me. Lovely, lovely bear. Please, stop now. I'm... I, who is this? Bear, bear, bear. <laughs> I'm going for a beer. <laughs> this is Tina, may I help you? No. I like drinking beer. <laughs> lovely, lovely beer. I'm sorry, that's I'm going to call the police. This is not this Mom. Isn't... No, Mom. Huh? It's, it's just Nigel. Nigel? <laughs> what are you doing? It's just a joke, Mom. It's a practical joke. You're on the air. Don't. Nigel, I was getting ready to call the police. I mean, what? I'm at work. Mom, it's just a joke. All right. Nigel, I don't know. I don't know whether to laugh or cry. I mean, that's very upsetting to me at work. Mom. Nigel, if you would just grow up, that's very childish. Mom, just calm down. Call sometime when you can really talk. All right. Oh. Bye. <laughs> she didn't speak to me for a couple of days after that. That's so good. I laugh every time. I love it. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. All right, Hammer. Hurricane Ian making landfall in southwestern Florida. Category 4 force. Just shy of a Category 5 storm. And uh, let's see, do we have, what are we going to go to? Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, with the latest. FEMA Administrator Chris Wall said today that she acknowledged concerns that uh, Florida, as was said, lacks response to the storm so far. And that whoa, 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 whoa. Give me a break. That is nonsense. Stop politicizing, okay? Stop it. We declared a state of emergency when this thing wasn't even formed. We've had people in here. You've had counties doing. Uh, they've done a lot of hard work. And, and honestly, you're trying to attack me, I get. But, like, you're attacking these other people who've worked very hard. And so, so that's just totally false. Um, I don't think we've ever, certainly since I've been governor, declared a state of emergency this early. Uh, we made sure that we were very inclusive with it. We said that there was a lot of uncertainty. And, and we've worked to make sure um, the preparations that have been done and all the, the stuff, you talk to the people at the counties when they've needed something stuff gets there very quickly because of what kevin and his team have done so let me set that up just a little bit because you might not have caught it there at the very beginning some liberal reporter was trying to shame ron DeSantis, saying that his preparation time was slow and the 
governor of Florida was having no part of it. He was trying to set the narrative up through a question. Ah, yeah, so you're getting criticized a little. Whoa, 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 whoa. He shut it down. Right. Real quick. They declared an emergency earlier than any other hurricane in Florida. They've opened up all of the toll roads so nobody has to pay to get to wherever they're going. They've called in help from all over the country, including Task Force One from Indiana, who's standing by in Alabama right now, waiting for the call to go in and help and rescue those who may be affected by this. Listen, it's a big, bad, nasty storm. It's a Category 4, almost a 5. 800,000 people are already without power on the southwest portion of Florida here. And you've got this jag-off reporter trying to make this political shaming Ron DeSantis. They're all trying to do it, though. What's that clip we played at Klobuchar? Senator Klobuchar yesterday. Look, you. This what this really means. Big picture is you need to vote for Democrats because we'll get rid of the hurricanes for you. <laughs> right. They're going to cure you- cancer and they're going to get rid of the hurricanes. Make sure you guys are keeping notes on what's going to happen here. <sighs> um, and Don Lemon, the newly named morning host at CNN, he brought on somebody from the uh, the National Weather Hurricane Center, and he tried to push a climate change narrative and the straight weather scientist guy at the hurricane center shot him down pretty quick can you tell us what this is and what effect the climate change has on this phenomenon well we can come back and talk about climate change at a later time i want to focus on the here and now we think the rapid intensification is probably almost done there could be a little bit more intensification as it's still over the warm waters of the uh, eastern gulf of mexico but i don't think we're going to get any more rapid intensification uh, so listen i just i'm just trying to get that you said you want to talk about climate change but what what effect does climate change have on this phenomenon that that is happening now because it seems these storms are intensifying that's the question. Here. I don't think you can link climate change to any one event. Okay. On the whole, <laughs> on the cumulative, uh, climate change uh, may be making storms worse, uh, but um, to link it to any one event, um, I, I would caution against that. And the number of hurricanes are down yeah. this year substantially. I mean, this is kind of the later stage of hurricane season here, and this is the first major storm that's made its way to the United States. And this is really the second kind of embarrassing gaffe for Don Lemon in terms of having guests on that put him in his place. It was what was it last week? He was trying to talk about uh, reparations for uh, colonials or the UK or something, right? The royal family, the royal family having to pay out reparations or something, and and his guest was like, "Well, yeah, sure. If you want to talk about reparations, let's start with where it all began with the, uh, you know, Africans trading other Africans in slavery. We can we can start there for I mean, that's just one example of how these idiots try to set the narrative with their guests and it doesn't come anywhere close to working out for them and they have huge egg on their face. That was embarrassing. He tried two different times to get the guy <laughs> talk about it. And he wasn't having it at all. You can tell, obviously, this director of the, you know, the Hurricane Center was like, no, I'm not talking. You guys could talk about this. I want nothing to do with you and your idiot narrative. You brought me on to talk about the storm, yeah. which is the story. It's a strong category four, almost a five. It's moving very slowly. This is going to be catastrophic. And you want to talk politics with me? No. Good for that hurricane director. But if you think about it, 
the way Don Lemon asks his questions, the way some of these newspapers word things. Are you surprised considering that their guy, the one that they bent over backwards, the one that they colluded with the Democrats to get elected, is this guy? Let me be clear. If you're in a state where hurricanes often strike, like Florida or the Gulf Coast or into Texas, a vital part of preparing for hurricane season is to get vaccinated now. Get vaccinated now. Don't worry about buying that generator or groceries or boarding up your windows. Get vaccinated now. Hell, you could go outside on the beach if you're vaccinated. That's according to Joe Biden. <laughs> if you're about to get swept away out into the Gulf and the National Guard's trying to save you, no, go back. Don't worry about it. Vaccinated. <laughs> He's pointing to his arm. And so, I'm, vac- I'm vaccinated. Don't worry. I mean, there's such a long list of things that you need in terms of being prepared for a hurricane. I, I would say poncho is on there. Maybe an umbrella sandbags Uh, yeah food dry goods boards for your windows you know canned goods a generator maybe some extra gas bottles of water and then yeah okay about uh, 533rd on the list a covid vaccine right (laughs) um an ignoramus speaking of uh joe biden uh we've posted the video on our twitter at hammer and nigel if you missed it earlier Again, a lot of people are laughing. It's it's ticked me off. I'm angry that this guy is the president. Joe Biden looking around a room trying to figure out why Indiana rep Jackie Wolorski isn't there. And she died in an automobile accident in August along with some of her aides. This guy's the president. This guy is the commander in chief. He's in charge of your sons and daughters of the United States military. And he's looking around the room for somebody that's not alive anymore. If you want to see it for yourself, check it out at Hammer and Nigel. New polling shows that 71% of Americans say their paycheck isn't keeping up with inflation. 62% are stressed about their finances. And Nige, 54% say the financial situation is getting worse. And really, you know, you're getting closer to midterms. That's all people are talking about. That's all they care about. The kitchen table issues, the the gas prices. Yeah, maybe they've gone down a little bit, but they're still way up before Joe Biden took president, uh, took over as president. They, uh, the, the, I mean, you know, I guess maybe the fact that um, the Russia-Ukraine situation <laughs> – The fact that there aren't boots on the ground, American boots on the ground, is probably the only leeway I'd give this president at this point. We're just kind of staying out of the whole thing, even though there's some rumors that we're the ones that kind of put those leaks in the Nord Stream pipelines. But But we're paying to extend it. We are absolutely paying um, to extend this war. But, yeah, we definitely want to bleed Russia dry in that respect for sure all of your Uh, tax dollars going to ukraine uh, to extend this war while there's record inflation right you're going to say that the gas is well it's putin's fault inflation putin's fault uh everything putin's fault (laughs) well then stop paying to extend this war then um and you're right as we get closer to midterms it's going to be all about the economy a lot of stuff is going to be secondary but the economy is going to be front and center and you're already seeing some high-profile democrats kind of go against Joe Biden. Here's old man Bernie Sanders speaking to Seth Meyers, and he's kind of ripping 
on Joe Biden's Inflation Reduction Act. So do you think it's enough for Democrats to run on in the midterms or do you think? OK, no, I don't look what we don't talk about in Congress and we don't talk about in the media is what's going on with working families in this country. And the truth is that the middle class of this country is falling further and further behind. Wages are not keeping up with inflation. So there's Bernie Sanders. And then you've got Joe Manchin, not as far left as Bernie is, but he went on that lame duck morning show on CNN, the one that still has Brianna Keeler on it. And he ripped on the student loan forgiveness plan. I just thought there was other ways that we could do it. I cannot answer when people call me and saying, you're giving X amount of dollars away, 10000 or 20000 to this, this, this class. How about I paid mine off? What, what, why am I penalized? So desperate times calling yeah. for desperate measures here, and the Democrats are getting desperate. It, wouldn't it drive you nuts how thousands of dollars out of your paycheck are going to wind up going to pay for somebody else's college? I mean, there's it so many things that your money is going for. Yeah, yeah. So many things. And this is why we're in the economic situation that we're in here. So because they can't count on anything they've done well, the Democrats are basically campaigning on anybody that voted for Donald Trump or even considers themselves a Republican. You are a racist. You are a fascist. You are a Nazi. And if push comes to shove, the Democrats... The peaceful, tolerant left, they're willing to get a little violent. This means war. That is where we are. We are at war with these people. It is a danger to our democracy. It is a danger to our way of life. The MAGA movement is a threat. The extremists that we're dealing with every single day, we've got to kill and confront that movement. Clearly, you know, this is a um, literally call to arms. Obviously, Republicans, I think, are the biggest threat to democracy. We don't separate right-wing extremists and Republican Party anymore. This is literally what conservative white folks do when they don't get their way. They turn violent. Clearly, you know, this is a um, literally call to arms. Lots of call to arms, you killing and confronting movements. Um, Yeah, I don't see a lot of violent rhetoric coming from the right. It's all left-wing corporate media and uh, and politicians. And I love Ellie Mistel on MSNBC. He's the guy that looks like the black Dick Versace with the hair that goes up, (laughs) saying that when white people don't get their way, they turn violent. All right. Shall we just bring up the summer of love? Ellie, can we do that? Can we have that conversation? If we're going to have uncomfortable conversations, which is what I was told everybody wanted back in 2020, let's have that conversation. Emma and Nigel presents is It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? How do we play? I'll run stories by you. You tell us if they're anything or not. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Go ahead. Is this anything? Here's a girl at a Dunkin' drive-thru. I'm sorry. A Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru. Oh, yeah. You got a... Sorry, I you get a little hang up. You still call them Dunkin' Donuts. Right. They get rid of Somebody donuts. got paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to rebrand, and they all they did was take away the word donut, <laughs> which is like the one word that I want in there. <laughs> so here's a girl at a Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru in Orlando getting yelled at by the manager. She asked for an oat milk substitution at the very last minute, and apparently that set the manager off. Please get out of my line. Thank you. Because I'm lactose intolerant. Can you get out of my line? 
No, I just ordered. See, I, and I deleted your order. I'm not making Why are you denying my, my service please? right now? Because I am the manager and I said I'm not giving you any service. Can you please get out of my line? Okay, and you're the manager. Uh, yes, I am. Get out of my line. Or I will trespass you. Get out of my line. Wait, can I just ask I sure will. Can get I just ask this question? Line. Can we just get a reason why? Because I told you the reason why. Now get out of my line. Thank you. Because I forgot that I was... Okay, get out of my line now. My dairy. Get out of my line now. Okay. <laughs> um... Uh I, without knowing what happened before this, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the girls in the car that were being little twits and messing with the manager in the restaurant, and I'm glad if that's the case. We don't know for sure. I can't really imagine a manager at a Dunkin' kicking somebody out of their line for asking for an oat milk sub at the last minute. I'm sure these idiots in this car were being smart asses and holding up the line or trying to create something to go viral on TikTok. Or wanting something for free. Maybe, yeah. And the manager wasn't putting... Good good for the manager for not putting up with that crap. I really just couldn't imagine somebody reacting like that because, hey, by the way, look, I forgot to tell you at the intercom there, but can you, you know, do the oat milk substitution? Get the ass out of my line right now! I don't see that happening. I think the girls deserved it. Yes, this is something good for the manager. You gave your mom a milk substitution last night. Get out of my line. See, I could never work at one of these places. No way. No way. Is this anything? An Austin couple who have been the target of porch pirates got fed up, and they left a bag of dirty diapers for the thieves to steal. Not only did they retaliate by smearing the dirty diapers on their door, the thieves also came back to one-up the insult. Take a listen to this. When they discovered it was a bunch of dirty diapers, they came back and smeared those diapers on our front door. They came back with a giant bag of cow manure. And so it was a really long day of cleaning a lot of cow feces off of our house that day. But it's a tool for me. I have a toddler, I work full time, and I have another one on the way. So I use this as a survival tool. There has to be an end. It's just not okay in my book anymore. Mm, That's when you go to the paintballs. That's when you have somebody hiding out behind the fence and you start unloading paintballs on them. Like Like with an airsoft gun. I'm not saying use any sort of harm on the people, although I really wouldn't mind that either. Right. Because you get arrested for doing something. You probably get arrested for unloading a paintball gun on them. So the dirty diaper trick for the porch pirates didn't work. They came back and sp- spread the dirty diapers all over the car, the, the, the door, which sucks. And, um, yeah, it's illegal to have booby traps in your house. Not this time. You're getting a taser. You're getting a paintball to the face or something like that for sure. Sorry. Bill O'Reilly calling in next. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show. And we're back. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIPC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. We'll go straight to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on Bill O'Reilly, author of the new book, Killing the Legends, The Lethal Danger of Celebrity. Bill, I believe I'm, I'm, I just got my hands on the book. I'm about halfway through chapter one, The King. Um, tell me about the book. Seems like this is kind of a little bit of a departure in terms of subject matter uh, as compared to some of your other uh, killing books. Certainly. Uh, This is the 12th killing book. Uh, It's about history, 
but it's cultural history, which is underreported in this country. So you're on the Elvis chapter. Yes. Uh, we feature John Lennon and Muhammad Ali. And the overarch is that if you are a celebrity, you are in danger, and even more so today. So let's just take Elvis for a minute. Post-World War II, 1950s, Dwight Eisenhower president, conformity across the land. Not a lot of dissent. People look the same, talk the same. Television just coming in. Everybody's kind of watching Milton Berle. You know, I'm taking you back in history now. All of a sudden, a young teenager from Tupelo, Mississippi, a truck driver, uh, appears on the Ed Sullivan Show, which was the most popular variety program in America. Within the space of seven minutes after he sings Hound Dog, mm -hmm. American culture changes. It explodes. Pastors say that Presley is Satan. Burn his records. Parents are yelling at their boys, you are not going to look like Elvis. You're not slicking your hair back. You're not going to wear the leather jacket. The whole culture is uprooted. Who wins? Elvis wins. The conformity of the 1950s declines dramatically, and the rebel movement, led by James Dean in the movies and Elvis Presley in music, rises. A tremendously important point in American history that is completely overlooked. Then you fast forward to 1964, the Beatles arrive. Between 64 and 69, American culture changes again. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. Who's in the forefront? Lennon and McCartney and the Beatles driving that magical mystery tour, Sgt. Pepper. And then Muhammad Ali, next to Martin Luther King Jr., is the most dramatic civil rights figure on the planet. So I, as a historian, focus on those three. And what they have in common is two things. Number one, all of them were betrayed by people close to them. Number two, all of them were crushed by celebrity, and it led to their demise. Well, I would say uh, maybe a third component, too, and I see this with a lot of rock and roll documentaries that I read, is that they grew up poor, almost with nothing. That's right, and they were uneducated, but they were shrewd. Yes. Okay, these were not unintelligent men, but they lost control of their lives because of the intense pressure put upon celebrities. And it's worse now than ever with the social media. Look, this is a partial list. Jimi yeah. Hendrix, River Phoenix, Kurt Cobain, Princess Diana, Heath Ledger, James Dean, Prince, Michael Jackson, Karen Carpenter, Amy Winehouse, John Belushi, Marilyn Monroe. It never ends. I could give you one I was just reading about today, uh, Anthony Bourdain, and how depressed and suicidal he was with all the fame and all the fortune. I was just reading today about how the celebrity chef hated his job, hated his fans. Uh, his final days were with prostitutes and drugs, and it's like these guys seem to be chasing something finite, something that is you're just kind of uh, chasing a feeling that's a meaningless existence, so to speak. Well, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, I mean, no. there are some celebrities that survive, um, but the pressure, people don't understand it. It's a blood sport now. And I mean, I, I'm part of it. So when I became famous in doing the O'Reilly Factor, 
there was a target on my back. Now, I should have known it because I was talking about politics. I wasn't singing songs. I should have known it, but I didn't. And I wasn't prepared for the hatred um, that came my way, which affected my family. It affected every part of my life. All right. And so I was caught by surprise, as was Presley, not prepared. Lennon, not prepared. Ali, a little bit different because Ali sold himself to the nation of Islam. And they were the ones that exploited him uh, and ruined him. And you'll see when you when you read the book how that evolved. But it is almost impossible if you are a famous person in America today, and this extends to politics, particularly Biden and Trump. Okay, it's impossible. Every time you go out, you're being recorded. You're being photographed. You're being followed. People want to hurt you. Not all people. Most don't. When I go out in public, 95% of people are very nice to me. But there's always that 5%, as John Lennon found out, that can end it quickly. Chatting with Bill O'Reilly, longtime commentator and best-selling author, Killing the Legends. It's available now. Bill, I'm reading through this chapter on John Lennon, and you mentioned the inner circle a little bit earlier, and this was fascinating to me. You have a great part in this book about George Harrison. Now, you would think a guy like George Harrison would be supportive, this great guy to his fellow bandmate, but the impression that I got, not only was George ready for the Beatles to break up, he saw the demise of the band and the demise of Lennon as an opportunity for his own financial growth. Yeah, Harrison was always the outlier. Um, You know, he was, Ringo was the drummer, but Ringo had this personality that, that transcended the band in some extent. And then, of course, McCartney and Lennon drove the creative process. And Harrison was created, but uh, Lennon diminished him, denigrated him. Um, and that was uh, one of the parts of the dissolution of the band. And, and Harrison did do well on his own when he left. But as far as the Beatles are concerned, American historians, they they're snobs, generally speaking, which is why the Killing series, the most successful nonfiction book series in history, because I'm not a snob. And they think, oh, Elvis, oh, the Beatles, we have more important things. We have to talk about Millard Fillmore. Oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, The way we live today was shaped by these three men, particularly in the African-American community with Ali. And that has just been ignored But what's even more frightening to me and and the most important part of this book is our leadership today is under the same kind of pressure. I mean, Donald Trump is the best example. He loves being a celebrity, and and he can't stop being one. He has to be in the center of attention all the time. That has hurt him. It has hurt him. Maybe he doesn't even know it, but it has. Joe Biden sold out every single principle he had, every one, in order to get the nomination to be president. The progressives said, you need to do this, and he did it, which totally went against what he did and said when he was a senator. He did it for fame and celebrity. And I'll submit to you, but both of those men are getting crushed by this phenomenon. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine the amount of pressure. You know Donald Trump. You've interviewed him. You've went on speaking tours with him since his his, his administration ended. But I imagine the amount of pressure. You talk about pressure and a spotlight. 
uh, during the height of the pandemic where he I mean, I, I can imagine the pressure that he and VP Pence were under and the constant spotlight and the and the constant and those daily three hour press conferences. Look, well, you sign on yes. for the job yes. and you know what the job entails. What Donald Trump, Bill O'Reilly, Joe Biden, every single human being who's ever become famous don't understand is the emotional whack, the daily emotional hit that you take. And many people can't handle it, so they turn to drugs. The Beatles broke up because John Lennon became a heroin addict. That's why they broke up. That had not been reported. It's a prominent part of killing the legends. Why? Why would you do this? Why would you take such a self-destructive act? Elvis Presley. You look at him in 1967 when he did the comeback special on NBC. There he is in his leather outfit. He's looking great, sounding great. Ten years later, if you look at him, is this the same human being? Early 40s. Could he not have mirrors in Graceland? Could he not see (laughs) what he was doing to himself? And this is what I'm trying to get across. Did he not care? I don't know whether I'm not a psychiatrist, but the situation gets out of control fast, fast. So I I have said many times to President Trump, you don't need to fight all these fights. You don't need to be in the spotlight every second. That is hurting you. It's hurting your ability to think. It's hurting your ability to interact with other people. You, You know, just choose your battles. Choose them. And but, you know, when you get into that adrenaline rush of celebrity, that's the most powerful narcotic of all. Bill O'Reilly from BillOReilly.com and uh, author of the new book, Killing the Legends. We're going to hold you over for one more segment. Definitely want to ask you about the midterms and possibly uh, what you see happening in 2024 with Donald Trump, Joe Biden, and, and maybe even Ron DeSantis. More Bill O'Reilly next on The Hammer and Nigel Show. And away we go. The Hammer and Nigel Show. 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Back to the DriveHubler.com hotline with Bill O'Reilly. The new book, Killing the Legends, The Lethal Danger of Celebrity, covering the deaths of John Lennon, Elvis Presley, and Muhammad Ali. Bill, talking about Muhammad Ali here, I think the closest thing for a lot of people here in Indianapolis that they can relate to was the prime of Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was a Super Bowl winner. He hosted Saturday Night Live. He's a most valuable player. He does every single commercial on the biggest sport in the world. This was a guy that could not go anywhere in Indianapolis without somebody wanting a picture, doing a video, things like that. But it seemed like Peyton was one of those guys that kind of embraced it. He didn't really have too many people that hated him. It was the total opposite effect here in Indianapolis. So is it easier to be a celebrity of that stature now? Even though there's more video cameras and social media and you could argue drugs now than there were back when Elvis was around, Muhammad Ali was around, is it easier to be a celebrity now? No. And the reason that Peyton and Eli Manning have fielded their celebrity so well is because of their father, Archie Manning. Mm. And Archie Manning and his wife, Olivia, from the very beginning knew that their boys were going to be sports superstars. 
And so they were raised to learn how to cope with that. And they have succeeded. We don't know internally, you know, what goes on, but certainly Peyton and, and Eli Manning have handled themselves well. Well, Elvis Presley didn't have that. John Lennon didn't even have a mom and dad. I mean, they were paying attention to him. Ali, chaotic upbringing. So they didn't have any of that. They had to bring in outsiders to help them get through life, and the outsiders, most of them, betrayed them. That's the key. Now, today, um, if you are a celebrity, you have absolutely no privacy at all, none. You, you mentioned uh, Peyton Manning. What about Tom Brady? So Tom Brady, I know him. He's very smart, okay, and he's not some kind of guy who's going to do crazy stuff. But he makes the mistake of putting his family and personal life in the press all the time. And now it's boomeranged on him because you can't play that. You can't play the Kardashian game, the J-Lo game, and survive it. They're coming for you. I mean, in my case, I've, got, I've spent millions of dollars on attorneys to protect me. And I don't go. I can't go to uh, Indianapolis and watch the Colts and sit in the stands. I'd have to sit with you guys in the luxury box. That's right, right. right. Yeah. But I can't. But I've it, noticed, it, and one of the things I noticed about you is I don't know what your kids look like. I know you have one maybe I looking at them, colleges or, or, or yeah, anything like that. Yeah, I keep them out of the public eye. Exactly. And then, absolutely. And they are trained. They're both in college. One's in law school, one's in college. But they have been trained, and, and they have seen – what that what happened to me and they love me and they they know how insane it was but they know okay the danger so the danger has been processed in the o'reilly household but in lennon and presley and ali's world that danger was never fully realized they didn't understand how to cope with it and it destroyed them marilyn monroe Another yep. perfect example. Just a couple more minutes here with Bill O'Reilly, uh, the new book, Killing the Legends, the Lethal Danger of Celebrity. Uh, we're a few weeks away from the midterms. Uh, first, there was going to be a red wave. Then the summer kind of took over, and there was going to be, you know, now that you look like Joe Biden's getting some decent polling, and now we're back to the red wave again, I feel like, Bill. Um, I, I think you're going to see big seat turnovers in the House. What about the Senate? What are you seeing uh Come midterms. Well, it's still undefined in the Senate. I think you're right yeah. about the House, big time uh, Republican uh, victory in the House of Representatives. But the problem with the Senate is that there are a lot of bad candidates on both parties, in both parties. And, and, you know, when you run a state race, the national media doesn't really lock into um, what's happening on a daily basis. I can't cover what's happening in New Hampshire and Arizona. I mean, I just don't have time. When I do the no-spin news every night, uh, and you can get that on BillOReilly.com, we basically are doing the overarch of what the trends are. But there is no question that the Biden administration has destroyed the American economy. Yeah. I mean, think back two years we had the most vibrant economy in modern times, energy independent, 1.3% inflation. Just two years ago, this guy gets in and everything is out of whack. You would think that people would vote their own self-interest and say, you know what? This progressive Democratic Party is not cutting it. And I don't care who's running on the other side. 
I'm not going to vote for them. No way, uh, no way Joe Biden's running in 2024, right? No, I said that a year ago. Yeah. I think I told you guys that <laughs> you when, I was, you when we were promoting killing the killers. I think I, go, I told you guys that. There's just no way he's going to run. And he hedged on 60 Minutes. You saw it. He knows yeah. he can't run. He's barely – he may not make the next two years. You might see a resignation for health reasons. That's how bad this man is performing. And then the key is the uh, Republicans in 2024. Is it going to be Trump? Is it going to be DeSantis? Are we going to see a GOP primary? I want to see a primary. I'm all for a primary in that case if they both decide to run. Do you? You're not getting it. No? Never wow. happened. Look, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, be reelected in November. Yep. He's 44 years old. All right, he's not going after Donald Trump and alienating all of those MAGA people because if you primary Trump, you go to attack Trump. Have to. There's no other way to do it. All right, so what could happen would be that Trump goes to DeSantis and says, you want to be number two, and in four years you walk into the White House. I think DeSantis would take that deal. He'd have to leave Florida as a resident, but he just drives up to southern Georgia, gets an apartment, and there you go. Okay? So a Trump-DeSantis ticket 24, pretty powerful. Yeah. And that is what I see. But Donald Trump is not predictable. Uh, You can't even say he's going to run because you don't know what's going to happen. DeSantis is setting up his run. But I don't think he'll go up against Trump if Trump decides to go in. Killing the Legends, the uh, very latest from Bill O'Reilly, author of 18 number one bestsellers. I'll be uh, finished with the book this weekend, Bill. And you're welcome back anytime. We'd love to have you uh, a little bit when the primaries. We'll talk again before the midterms. And I really appreciate you guys reading the book. It's very nice of you to do it. All right. Have a great week, Bill. Okay, bye. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. You believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! All right, Hammer. Hurricane Ian has arrived in Florida. It's a high-end Category 4 storm on the cusp of being a Cat 5. We're talking Fort Myers, Cape Coral, Naples, Sanibel Island, or some of the Uh, Names and locations I'm reading right now. Uh, Just a few miles, uh, uh, again, a few miles per hour shy of a Category 5 intensity. Winds sustaining like 150 miles an hour right now. 12 to 16 feet uh, storm surge possible in the coastal areas. And earlier, if you scroll through social media, you might have seen this. The water in Tampa Bay was sucked out a little bit, kind of like what you would see during like a tsunami, but the water in the bay was pulled out. And this is similar to what happened when Irma hit the same area uh, in Tampa about five years ago. So this storm, it is a big, bad mamma jamma. It is. One million people already without oh power. Crap, is, did you see that? Wow. I didn't see the one million mark. Man, the now Tampa I'm reading is likely to see a little bit lower of a surge, uh, like four to six feet than all the areas that I mentioned at the beginning of this segment south do, just just purely due to the storm's track. But yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm looking at the, some you know the Bayshore Boulevard, which is a very popular uh, area along Tampa. That all the all the water is retreated away from that seawall. And if you see the aerial shot of this storm, like the NASA pictures from the International Space Station, 
It is massive. To put this in perspective here, of uh, this Hurricane Ian, you could put all of 2004's Hurricane Charlie just into Ian's eye. Charlie was another big storm that made its way through the Gulf area in southwest Florida. You could put that whole hurricane just in the eye of Ian. This is uh, Stephanie Abrams from the Weather Channel. This is a Category 4 hurricane with winds at 155 miles an hour. To be a Category 5, the winds have to be uh, 157 miles an hour or greater. Now, does this get technically to a Category 5 or not? It doesn't matter. Because I'll tell you what, 155 versus 157, you're not going to see a difference here in the effects from that. So let's not get hung up on the category. We'll talk about that, you know, as a technicality, as science, that sort of thing. But you are going to see catastrophic effects from the wind from this and the surge. The surge now forecast to get up to 18 feet anywhere from Inglewood down to Benini Beach, where I'm located here. And that's going to rise up. And then the problem is this thing is not moving at a very fast clip. And so that water could stay out for a bit. It will take a while for it to go down. That's that, the thing. It's moving so slow. Yeah. And that footage you retweeted of Cantori uh, from the Weather Channel, uh, I don't know where he's at. Uh, one of those cities on the southwestern coast, and he gets nailed by a giant tree branch. I mean, okay. he, he loves doing that kind of stuff, too. Yeah, I mean, 100-mile-an-hour winds. Because I've seen people on social media say, I can't believe the Weather Channel is yep. putting him out there in that conditions. I can guarantee you Cantori probably volunteered to be out there for that. Uh, he's out there yelling at the hurricane like Lieutenant Dan is in Forrest Gump. <laughs> All right, we're going to have a showdown. Me and you. Like Cantori, he's kind of like me. He loves covering this kind of stuff so he's out there with the batting helmet on now there were mass evacuations mandatory evacuations but you can't always get everybody we spoke to one of your friends earlier nige marco who used to do yeah. radio here in indianapolis yep. he's writing it out He's down in the Tampa St. Pete area, and like I mentioned just a, a minute ago, they aren't getting it nearly as bad as maybe they thought. And his thing was like, look, DeSantis, they've put a lot of money and resources into helping people out and protecting the community and making sure people are okay. Some of these other places, yeah, I could definitely see this footage, especially the southern southern Florida where where, where those met, those places I mentioned earlier are just getting nailed right now tampa looks to be okay right now so he's one of those guys that did evacuate during irma and he kind of regretted it and uh and so he's taking it seriously boarded up his house he's got the generators going and uh, got the supplies got plenty of beer <laughs> and and but no he's taking it very seriously but yeah there are some other places in florida where like yeah they don't nobody needs to be around this place right now did you see that report from news nation where this was earlier today before the storm officially made its way land onto land where there's a group of people who live on boats out by the water yeah no. and they chose to ride it out it's supposed to be a little worse than most of the other ones as far as that's concerned but you know it's wind and water so if, if you know what we're doing we're all set some people would think you're nuts to stay out here on your boat though i mean they've got the mandatory evacuations you i mean what do you think about leaving no no i'm i'm here um i'm here 
people on that boat, people on the next boat, people on the boat, two boats down. Uh, there's probably 15 of us right here all together, and we're all ride the storm out. Yeah, it's wind and water, although he failed to mention the third component in a hurricane, which is wind at 155 miles an hour. Well, he did mention wind, wind and water. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, rain, water. No, he didn't He didn't mention the miles per hour. <laughs> 150 mile per hour winds. Okay. Yeah, no, no big deal. That's one of those things where I'd be like, okay, I'm out of here. Yeah. Living on your boat and riding it out is vastly different than living in your house and boarding up and something like that. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Also joining us live in studio, Casey Daniels from the Kendall and Casey Show. It's the side piece. How are you? I'm good. It smells like beer in here. (laughs) Well, earlier, (laughs) it's because we were chugging beer on live TV Mm -hmm. for our Wish TV hit. It is National Beer Day, after all. I like that you chose a nice, cold Miller Lite. Well, we're not beer snobs around here. Like, some people, they have to have a pale ale. Our boss, David Wood. David Wood turns up his nose at a, 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 a like if he sees me walking around here with a Miller Lite, he'd be like, "Hey, how's the spring water?" Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm the how's kind of guy that water? after I cut my grass, I don't want to drink molasses. I want a cold <laughs> right. Miller Lite, Coors Light. I can do something like that. I'm something a cheap that's date. Gonna quench your thirst, huh? Now I prefer a stout or what's the other one? A porter. And I never sure. knew this. For years, I thought that I liked the light beer, like a yeah. Kugel or something. Nothing or wrong with it. A summer Shanty, and that's what I ordered for years. Finally, one day, I did a flight of beers. And yeah, I love those. I found out that I like, I like stout and porter, which is... Totally opposite of the light IPAs and the light beers. We were talking about this the other day, Nige. The best time to have a flight of beers Mm -hmm. is at the airport when you're getting ready to go on vacation. (laughs) Like, if you can get a line up Mm -hmm. flight of beers, man, that just hits the spot right before you go on vacation. Yes, you know you're on vacation when you can do a flight of beers, right? I still haven't been to the Sun King area in the Indianapolis International Airport. Now, Wednesday, I'm supposed to fly down to Sarasota. What? So we'll... (laughs) We'll see if that happens. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Why? You don't believe me that I'm going to Florida or that I haven't been to the Sun King in the airport? Casey, if you're shocked that Nigel's leaving and missing work, then you haven't been here long enough. (laughs) No, no, no. That's not the part that surprises me. The part is, yeah, the the part that surprises me is the Sun King part and the fact that you're flying to Florida. Well, I mean, look. You're supposed to. That's the plan? Yeah. So you, I heard you say that you've, I mean, we're keeping an eye on Hurricane Ian, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, and and it's landfall here in Florida, but uh, down in Florida, what, you've been through several of these? Yeah. Is that what I heard you say earlier today on the the Kendall and Casey show? Yeah. Well, you know, I lived in Tallahassee for a while and hurricane season lasts from June until November and that's no joke. They just come rolling in one after the other. Nothing like Ian that they're dealing with now. Uh, Tallahassee's a little bit more landlocked so by the time it gets there, it kind of settles down just a bit. But the thing about hurricanes that I noticed that I never knew before I lived down in Florida, it's not just the wind and the hurricane. There's a ton of tornadoes that happen throughout the hurricane and it's the storm surge that comes up and the flooding of course but then it's 
after the hurricane. When it passes through, you're left, you're sitting there, you know, the power goes out. Yeah. You don't have yeah. the water. All of the, uh, the first responders are helping people who didn't evacuate or didn't prepare. And then I was always surprised the radio station that I was at had so many tree removal services as advertisers. Well, after you live through a hurricane, you realize why, because all of those trees are just down everywhere. Did you, did you ever have to evacuate? Did you say, yeah, yeah, I got to get the F out of here? Or did you no. stick through it? I mean, did you use boards on your windows? What'd you do? Yeah, I, I stuck through it. Well, I was in an apartment and it okay. was up on the second floor, so nothing ground level. But I do remember one time the morning guy from the radio station calling me and he said, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, well, why? Why do you ask? And he said, well, because a tornado touched down a mile from where you oh, live. Man. And that's, yeah, that's what you have to deal with. That's what Stephanie Mead from Wish was telling us yesterday. It's like we focus on the storm surge. We focus on the sustained mm-hmm. winds from this hurricane. Mm-hmm. But the things that spawn off because of that, those side tornadoes mm-hmm. and, you know, those severe thunderstorms, mm-hmm. those cause a lot of damage, too. Yeah, they're just as dangerous, and hopefully most of the people heeded the warning of Ron DeSantis to evacuate if they could, and you always have those stubborn people who think that, oh, I'm better than a hurricane, I can last through this. <laughs> we spoke to some earlier. Yeah, there are people, like a buddy of mine, and luckily he lives in Tampa, it looks like m- maybe some of it's going to, the s- most severe parts of the hurricane possibly are going to miss Tampa, mm-hmm. but I mean, he, you know, speaking of National Beer Day, he he prepped, he's got three dirt. 30, 30 cases of bush light. <laughs> He's got generators. Mm-hmm. He's got sandbags. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like he is sitting there unprepared. Doing nothing. Uh, but, you know, my my uh, in-laws also live in Tampa, St. Pete. They took off for Atlanta a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. So they're staying up there. So it's 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 one and the other here, man. And well, I, Like, honestly, I don't know what uh, Sarasota Brighton is going to look like next week. Yeah, I hope, for, you know, it's good that they, they left when they could because it's those stubborn people who think that they don't need to leave that are the ones that need saving after the fact. And it was a trip earlier, and I saw that the water in the Tampa Bay had receded, almost like a tsunami yeah. was coming. Yeah, yeah, it sucked all of it out before it's all going right. to come rushing back And it in. did this a number of years ago, I think when Hurricane Charlie hit, I probably have the hurricane wrong, but I believe it was Charlie, did the same thing, and man, when it comes back, it comes back with a vengeance. Don't you think they should rename hurricanes something else? I mean, when I was down in Florida, there was Hurricane Nana. What, is she going to give you a butterscotch? <laughs> Right. You know, oh, yeah. Hurricane Dolly. These don't sound very threatening. They Hurricane should... Samuel L. Jackson, I would flee from. <laughs> yeah, it would be like, Hurricane gonna kick you in the ass. <laughs> okay, I'm leaving. You know, they should have more menacing names to them to symbolize right. what they are. Hurricane but... Hitler. I mean, <laughs> well, if we're gonna go there, let's go there. Okay. All right. <laughs> don't give Hillary Clinton and the yeah. Democrats any ideas, I was Nudge. gonna say, Hillary did that over the weekend. Did you see that, Casey? Yeah, you know. Did you, you see this? You used to be Texas? deplorable. Then you were a semi-fascist. Now you're just a flat-out Nazi if you support Trump or if you're a Republican, for that matter. And what's going on with that Texas Tribune Festival? All of those people that were there speaking, 
Can you imagine if you guys showed up? <laughs> what I've noticed about well, these festivals is that depending on what type of festival it is, mm-hmm. the yeah. people that attend, sometimes they just want to be there for the show. They don't want to hear the speech. We've heard Ilhan Omar booed at a concert before, a super left-leaning concert. We had Pelosi booed off the stage mm-hmm. at a super left-leaning concert recently. I don't think a lot of these people give a blue rat's rear end what politicians think they just want to see the show or they just want to boo someone uh liz cheney was the grand finale speaker how about that (laughs) it's the grand finale but back to hillary saying that republicans and maga republicans are like hitler let's get something straight Hitler killed 25 million people, okay? That's a little different from being patriotic and wanting to protect your country. But these people don't see any difference, though, Casey. We've heard it for months now. They can't focus on any accomplishments they have because they don't have any. Mm -hmm. So all they can do is just say there's no difference between a regular Republican conservative voter and a Donald Trump superfan. All of you guys are the same, and you could storm the Capitol at any moment. Yeah, well, wasn't it Biden who gave the dark soul of the nation speech in front of a blood-red backdrop with armed Marines protecting his speech of device? Speech from hell. Yeah. That's what I call it. Yeah. yeah. So really. And, and he, they peep, I think they purposely keep, like I still haven't been able to specifically define what an extreme MAGA Republican is. And I think they keep it vague so they're able to paint everybody yeah. that votes Republican with that broad brush. Yeah, exactly. That's a, a broad stroke that if you, well, it's if you don't agree with them. Then you're a Nazi. You're a semi-fascist. So if you're somebody that just wants a secure border, Mm -hmm. a good job market, Mm -hmm. and less government spending, are you an extremist? Yes, you're completely evil. (laughs) Well, in their eyes, right? So ridiculous. What if maybe you... Uh, you know, maybe you're pro-choice up to a certain number of weeks, but you think that the late-term abortions are abominable. Well, you know, what What does that make you? Does that still make you an extremist? Well, that depends you on know? who you vote for, right? In their eyes, if you're not voting for someone with a D behind their name, yeah. yes, you're, you're extreme. You can't be moderate. It's extreme. Far right, we hear that a lot. We don't ever hear far left. But we know they're out there. Oh, 100% they're out there. There's a difference between Joe Manchin and Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference. Sometimes it's hard to tell, but for the most part, that's true. Um, What are we working on with the side piece? What should we look for? Okay, well, I'm going to do an article about the covered bridges in Indiana, following up from the article about the top 10 waterfalls in the state of Indiana. I had no idea. I I was told from TLC you shouldn't go chasing waterfalls. Yes, exactly. Well, I did that last. weekend and I went to Anderson Falls and it was lovely and so I had to do a little research found out there's 22 waterfalls in the state of Indiana I didn't realize that so if you're into leaf peeping the leaves are supposed to change around October 16th and then for the southern part of Indiana around the end of the month October 31st but rather than sit in your car and look at the leaves an alternative maybe get out of the car get on foot do some hiking be I've been called I, I've been accused of being a peeping Tom but never a leaf peeper <laughs> <laughs> so that's online right now. But there's also, there's an article that I did uh, that's getting a lot of traction. It wasn't my opinion. It was just the opinion of someone else who listed the top 10 cities in the country that are on a downward spiral. And this Briggs, it's World According to Briggs. He does a video blog, video vlog on YouTube. He ranked South Bend, 
Indiana as one of the top 10 cities to don't invest in, don't get a job there, don't buy property there. He said, stay away at all costs. Crime in downtown South Bend, he he cited was 346% above the national average. Now, wait a minute. Pete Buttigieg was the mayor there. How could it possibly be so bad, Casey? Uh, He claims that the people in (laughs) South Bend have a penchant for knife fights. Mm. Boy, team loses a few football games up at South Bend <laughs> and the wheels rough. fall off. <laughs> right. But you can read that highly opinionated article right now on the side piece. Just go to WIBC.com. Casey, thank you. Hey, thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Tony Kennett joins us next. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel show on 93 WIBC. Never lay it down. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. We're going to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on Tony Kennett, a former educator, STEM administrator for IPS. He's an education journalist, co-founder of the chalkboardreview.com. How are you, my man? Absolutely stellar, gentlemen. Any number of places we could start. Let's uh, explain to people real quick who Randy Weingarten is, uh, head of the, the teachers union, and then... Man, she is some ridiculous beef with with Ron DeSantis, and and if you could explain that whole thing to us, I'd appreciate it. Absolutely, Randy Weingarten is the head of the American Federation for Teachers. It's one of the largest national teachers unions, uh, next to the NEA, which the ISTA, the Indiana State Teachers Association, is a part of. So the AFT worked very closely with the CDC during uh, the COVID pandemic. Uh, to uh, ask the CDC to keep kids locked out of classrooms longer. Uh, She advocated that anyone allowing kids back into classrooms uh, was doing damage to children, that it was going to kill all of the old people and all of these other things that turned out not to be true. And now uh, she has continually uh, been going after Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida. Of course, as you guys know, Governor DeSantis led the way uh, during the lockdowns by getting Florida children back to classrooms sooner. And as we found so far, the test results have come back a lot better than, say, California, who is too terrified to even release any of their statewide testing scores who kept students locked up the longest. So, yeah, she does not like DeSantis at all. He's the antithesis to everything she stands for, and that's uh, evident in pretty much everything she says. And this horrible woman, who really never, to me, cared about the children, she just wanted her teachers to have all of these perks and all of this time off. Now she's criticizing Florida's governor, saying that he didn't care about the children. This is the most hypocritical, laughable thing I've ever seen, Tony. I mean, it really is. And there's no reason that she should be able to say, you know, we can help kids recover and thrive. And we would ask the governor, instead of smearing teachers, instead of calling them names, roll up your sleeves and work with us to actually help kids thrive. Yeah. When she is the one who has kept kids from thriving for the last two years, she's also advocating for Title IX reform, which would see states like Florida stripped of federal funding um, and would also see states like Florida's education system not be able to provide Uh, reduced lunches to kids uh, because Florida has laws on the books that wouldn't let um, uh, boys change in girls' locker rooms and think. I mean, it's incredible to see Randy Weingarten advocate against the children of Florida and yet have the gall to lecture someone else on it. And I'm sure she was totally against the passage of that bill in Florida, the parental rights bill, essentially, or what some wrongly named the don't say gay bill, which which is a total misnomer. 
Yeah, there were several press releases and internal communications that have been revealed from the AFT that was a massive campaign against uh, Florida's HB 1557, which, of course, just said you're not allowed to talk about sexual content with kids until after the third grade. I know, shockingly terrible. Apparently that (laughs) means don't say gay. I guess, even though we at Chalkboard Review looked through the bill, couldn't find the words don't say gay or even the word gay anywhere in the uh, bill. But you How know, dare you read the bill, court. Tony? What's wrong with you? Look at you reading you the gotta, bill. You have to pass the bill before you know what's in it, okay? <laughs> oh, that's a nice old reference. I like that. Uh, Tony Kennett with us from Chalkboard Review. Tony, you came on with me last Wednesday, and there was this story of an all-ages drag show coming to the children of Pendleton. What? Well, the very next day, there was a lot of chatter about some folks saying, well, maybe we need to pump the brakes on this. The next thing you know, the event got canceled. So for those of those who are listening right now that didn't follow this story closely, let's go from the beginning here. What was proposed in Pendleton and why didn't it happen? So on October the 1st, there is a Pride event scheduled in Pendleton by the Pendleton Pride community and sponsored by uh, this education nonprofit called Intersect. The best way to describe Intersect is it's kind of like a like a dare sort of organization. They were originally founded to advocate against smoking, and I guess now they also advocate against vaping. And they had had promoted this event. They had sponsored it, provided the insurance for this event as well. And then the schedule came out that at the Pride event, there was going to be a drag show reading hour with this very controversial individual who's, let's just say, has a very troubling history, and especially regarding social media and videos he's released. And then they were also going to do this, like, drag show catwalk for the kids uh, at Pendleton. And so a lot of parents were understandably concerned. Uh, We got a few tips at Chalkboard Review. We investigated the story. And uh, we ended up releasing the information. And after some major backlash from the eastern central Indiana communities, Intersect pulled uh, its sponsorship uh, offer until the pride movement in Pendleton would cancel the drag show and cancel the drag reading hour. And the drag reading hour has indeed been canceled. It is, they said if this proceeds, we're not going to fund it. And if they can't fund it, then there will be no insurance for the event, which, as you guys can understand, if you don't have insurance for an event, that's a very, very serious problem. And that's where we are at the moment. What, what is it, generally speaking, with – I don't have a problem with pride fests or, uh, or, or drag shows, but, but when you mix in kids – I mean, there's social media clips all over the – I just saw a very disturbing this week about a, a kid putting – his hands on uh, somebody at a drag show. Was, oh, uh, that somebody... guy with the weird mermaid fish yes. dress or whatever, and this girl walked up and put her hand on his crotch. Where is the FBI? And normally, exactly. I, and my question is this. If, if you're an adult and, like, some kid comes up and, like, they're reaching for your belt or maybe a cup in your hand down by your waist and they accidentally put their hand where they're not supposed to be, shouldn't your first reaction be to immediately move their hand and maybe offer a remark like, hey, don't yeah. touch people there. That's very inappropriate. Tony Kennett with us from Chalkboard Review. Uh, Tony, what I love about having you as a guest is we can talk about school issues, and I know that's kind of your bread and butter, things happening in the educational world, but we could also talk about everything. So 
while we're focused on this hurricane that's happening in Florida right now, this big, strong, nasty hurricane, there are some other major stories that might not be getting the attention they deserve because of the storm. We could start in a number of places here, uh, but your thoughts on what's happening with this pipeline? So I am going to say that the German government has released a, an official statement. Uh, so for the individuals who may not know, uh, the Nord Stream pipeline from Russia to Germany was a natural gas pipeline or is a natural gas pipeline that facilitates a lot of important energy resources so that Europe doesn't freeze during the winter because they all were terrified of nuclear power for some unknown reason. And there were two specific attacks uh, reported by German and Russian authorities in tandem, saying that an international water is actually just on either side of the Denmark-controlled zone. So whoever did this knew what they were doing, have caused two major leaks in the Nord Stream pipeline. There are a lot of people saying that the United States is responsible for this. In fact, President Biden did say earlier this year that the United States would put a stop to the Nord Stream pipeline yes. if Russia yeah. did anything hanky. Um, this is a very serious act of war, if that's true. I pray to God that it's not, especially since um, President Biden has clearly shown elevated levels of dementia. As someone who has experience taking care of an individual with dementia, uh, I can say that um, it bothers me to no end that we've propped up someone who's clearly suffering from extreme dementia to the highest position in our country, including commander-in-chief, at a time when you need someone who is going to defend this country who is going to make sure that our interests and, more importantly, our citizens are safe. I mean, our Department of uh, the State Department just released a statement this morning uh, saying that all Americans need to leave Russia immediately. I saw that, yeah. That's a serious, serious yeah. thing. And right after the Nord Stream issue, I, that looks suspicious to me. I certainly hope we weren't involved. Could you stick around for one more segment? You guys got it. All right. Uh, we'll be right back here. Tony Kennett, Chalkboard Review on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIPC. Never take a L no more. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Uh, we're going to go back to the drivehubler.com hotline uh, with Tony Kennett, chalkboard review, uh, STEM administrator for IPS at one time in his career. He's an education journalist. Um, back to something that I saw in Canada I wanted to get your uh, opinion on, the, the freak teacher that is wearing these giant cartoon prosthetic breasts into the classroom and then i was glad to see an outcry from parents in canada to get this lunatic out of the classroom what do we what do we know about that situation up in canada well first of all there's there's one more unfortunate step that you you kind of forgot to mention the guy didn't just have large boobs he also had these really big protruding nipples like this oh, overtly yeah. sexual statement that he's making to anyone who's looking at them. Um, very awkward, very disturbing. Certainly not something that you would wear in public, much less in front of kids. Uh, and there are students now that are protesting the event, uh, or excuse me, not just the event, going to school in general. They're just protesting the teacher being around them at all. And they're refusing to be anywhere near him because they rightly assert that he's being very sexual by his very nature. And uh, that in and of itself is just, it's encouraging to see people standing up to this kind of nonsense. 
but it's also very depressing to see how far we have fallen as a culture. If you would have told me five years ago this is what we would be arguing over, <laughs> I yeah. not only would I not have believed you, I would have thought you were joking. But the thing is, the school has doubled down. That's also depressing. Their response to this as well. We are well, inclusive. Down, yes, very yeah. well said. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, inclusive. Yeah. I don't know how doubling down on a man, big, huge, double boobs in front of children <laughs> is anything worthwhile in the educational process. Uh, I don't know how it's inclusive uh, to tell children that they must be forced to sit in an overtly sexual environment. It seems that inclusivity only goes one way. Uh, it's, it's always in favor of those who are trying to be as sexual as possible and never inclusive of those who may not want anything sexual in front of their faces, <laughs> notwithstanding that they're minors. Inclusivity is one of those words you hear that if you're a parent who's concerned about what's happening in the classroom, like just spitballing here, maybe you don't want your child to see large breasts and nipples in a classroom. Uh, you're going to get. Oh, let's oh, not get carried away. <laughs> you're going to hear a few buzzwords. You're going to hear inclusivity. Equity. You're going to hear equity. Uh, you're going to hear privilege. You're going to hear all of those things. Oh, yeah. I mean, these are just buzzwords that have been used by academia and also by individuals on the progressive left uh, to virtue signal and also to make you feel guilty. The idea is to make it sound like you don't want to be kind. You don't actually want people to just be who they are and follow their dreams and their heart. You want to impose some kind of evil moral hell upon them. And, of course, that's not the case. You just don't want your kids exposed to sexual nonsense or racist nonsense or any other kind of inappropriate goof-offishness that hasn't been necessary in education since its founding. But they use these words so that you feel guilty. And if you're guilty, maybe you'll be quiet and maybe you'll acquiesce. And that kind of foolishness has become vogue in American society, Canadian society, really across Western civilization as a whole. And we are going to pay the price for it with our children, which is the most horrific thing I can imagine. Tony, uh, last thing before we let you go, lots of school board seats up for grabs uh, coming up here in, in a few weeks. How do parents go about, I mean, your recommendation of how parents go about deciding who to vote for. I mean, there's not an R or a D next to these school board members' names. And I, I, I don't know if you agree if there should be or not, but with the, you know, the best way to, to go about finding out and vetting some of these, some of these people that want to be on the school board that are running uh, to make decisions in your school districts. I think that if a school board candidate wants to put an R or a D next to the name, they should be allowed to. If they want to say, hey, I ally with Republicans or I ally with Democrats, and so therefore they get to participate in the straight ticket voting process, I think that's fine. It's your choice. If I want to declare myself a Republican or Democrat, who, who should be able to stop me? That said, that's not the case in Indiana, at least at this point in time. Yeah. If you're a parent, first of all, you need to research your local candidates. There is nothing more local than your school board. Your tax dollars are paying for it, even if you're not a parent. It's very important. Do not just go read social media posts. Actually talk to these candidates and make them talk to you past the talking points. Don't don't let them get you into the weeds of the inclusivity and the fancy words and the, oh, I'm just about this really nice sounding thing actually make them talk to you about what policies they want to see carried through what is their idea regarding school safety what are their ideas regarding how students are treated how parents are included actually make them give you examples and hit them with the hard questions because that's how you do good research on a candidate because those talking points aren't running for election 
They're individuals who are going to be making a difference in your communities for better or for worse. Do your research. Tony Kennett, where can people find your work, my friend? You can find all of our work over at chalkboardreview.com. You can find us on social media at chalkboardrev. And if you're a sadist and have nothing better to do, you can follow me on Twitter at the Tonus. The Tonus. At the Tonus. Use discretion. (laughs) Tony, thank you. Thanks, guys. Be sure to catch us every weekday, 3 to 7 on 93 WIBC, or subscribe and get it right to your phone.